What's up, everyone? Welcome to this another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm your host, Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. I was about Almost to say this, said this week. I also said this week. I forgot it's not a weekly podcast. <laughs> other, the other uh, video game show is not this one. Oh, geez. Um, so, yeah, this, uh, this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, the games, the 2017 releases uh, that have been the most impactful for us and for two players so far. And we're also going to talk a little bit about some... Uh, the games we're most looking forward to that are coming out in the back half of the year. Mm -hmm. We've got a couple Kickstarter projects that are of note to talk about as well. Been a while. Been a little bit. And then, of course, some new new games that we played to give some impressions of those. Before we get into that, though, as usual, uh, follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Tabletop for Two is where you can find us there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. And if you're on iTunes, do us a favor, leave us a five-star review just to boost the visibility of the podcast if you think we're doing a good job. Uh, we have BGG Guild, number 2623, which you can check out there. And, of course, uh, we are always looking to see what main topics you guys want us to talk about out there. So if you have a suggestion, uh, we will certainly consider it. Just let us know online. Um, so let's lead it off with a game that I've wanted to get for a while now, mm-hmm. and it's always been out of print, and it's always been ridiculously expensive. This was like the Great Feld Whale, basically, that the was Great always White out whale. there. Yeah, for but for Feld games. Okay. Um, and this is in the Year of the Dragon, and fortunately... Wait, I thought there's been another Great White Whale that you were waiting for forever. Well, there's, all, we there's, there's like always it. a few. Oh, wait, we didn't like what? Oh, it was Notre Dame was that one. Yeah. Yeah, that one we didn't care for too much. Um, or at least at least it wasn't that we didn't like it, it just that it didn't really do anything for us. No. Um, but uh, In the Year of the Dragon was recently reprinted by Robinsberger, and it's a nice 10th anniversary edition that also comes with uh, two expansion modules as well. We haven't used those yet. We've just played the, the base game. Now, In the Year of the Dragon um, is known for being... Or at least I've heard it described as being one of Feld's more brutalizing games, because um, there's a lot of negative effects that happen in the game. Essentially, the the way the gameplay works is you are trying to recruit different people into like your little part of this village that takes place over the course of a Chinese New Year, and every round you're going to get to recruit one of these people. Um, and the purpose of them is they usually give. But they kind of boost up the effectiveness of different actions because at the beginning of each round, each player is going to select one action to perform from a group of actions. The way they do it is kind of clever where in a two-player game, there's seven different actions available and you split them into a group of four and a group of three. And the first player selects a group to, to choose one action from. And then the second player can either take an action from the other group or if they need to do an action from that group that the first player took, they can select that as well, but they have to pay money in order to do that, which is pretty tight mm-hmm. in this game. Extremely um, tight. And the actions are usually collecting something of some kind, whether it's rice, fireworks, uh, just victory points, uh, moving yourself on the person track, which is the start player. What was the books? Uh, those are victory points. Yeah, yeah, those are victory points. Um, you can also buy. I can't remember what the, the term they're using in the game, but basically, you can buy these scrolls that generate victory points every round for you, which is neat. Um, but where the where the toughness comes into play is every round after you've done an action and then selected a new person to add to your tableau, an event is going to happen, and typically these events are bad. There's like a famine where you have to have enough rice to cover your different houses that you have. There's 
Um, just, you know, the emperor wants you to pay heed to him, which costs you money. And there's some, one of them, there's like a, like um, a plague that happens where you just, people just die unless you have a healer that can stave that off. So there's a lot of negative effects. The point of the of course, of the game is to plan for them. Mm-hmm. So that as they best don't... you can, because you cannot fully plan for everything. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's not possible. Yeah, it's, just, it's, just, it's just mitigate the worst from happening, but not right. prevent it from right, happening right, completely. Right. Um, and that's kind of where the crux of the game is. The game lasts 12 rounds, and then whoever has the most victory points when it's all said and done is the winner. Now, like I said, I was expecting this to be really like really agonizing and really tough. And It really wasn't. But then again, like I said at the end of the game when we were talking about it, it's it might have been how the car how the the tiles fell as far mm. as how it played out because i think didn't we have like we had the emperor and then there was one in between and then there was the emperor again mm-hmm. so i don't know i, I felt like um we might have got a lucky draw as far as how they fell when they came out yeah but there's no, there's only so much variation that those are going to have. Yeah, but think about it. if you get back to back famines or back to back you can't you, know, you can't get back to back at the same event it's not possible the way the way the tiles are set up at the beginning of the game. So it's so it's definitely I don't know like I was just expecting it to be like oh you know the, these tough decisions what am I going to do where it's <laughs> but it's not that way it's really like okay I know these you know two <laughs> you events mean, are coming. You mean up. it's not like ghost stories where it's just like brutally difficult in your face, right? Or where it's not even like you know. I mean, not that Twilight Struggle is the same type of game, but you know how, like, in Twilight Struggle, like, you, you're looking at the hand of cards and nothing's good. And you're right. Like, uh, like, and you're like, like, I don't want to play any of these. Right. And, and this one, it's like, okay, I know this famine is coming up next round. Is it worth me trying to save everybody? How much do I want to mitigate it? Or right. can I play? Or, or you say, okay, I accept that this one bad thing is going to happen. Well, like, I think I literally, the one round I built... Just so that I could have, like, one, because I knew the next round I wasn't going to be able to finish whatever it was. Um, so j- and I built an extra house just to be able to lose it so I didn't have to worry about it. Right, which is which is always a smart play. It, yeah, it's, it's as long as you're as long as you're okay with not being able to play the perfect so like, game. I know I can't get this done, so what can I do to help myself out the best that I can mm-hmm. not take too bad of a hit? Well, and also because of the because of the difficulty of the decisions, I think I expected the game to be more difficult to play as well. It wasn't at all. This Mm-mm. one this one might be I don't know if it's not his easiest one that we have. But it's pretty intuitive, I think. It is. It's 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 on the same plane, I think, as like Castles of Burgundy. Because like the imagery, everything is just it's very easy to read. You can definitely tell I mean, even if you're not even looking, you can kinda look at things and say, Okay, this is probably gonna be this, this and mm. this, you know. The other thing that surprised me too, um, is that the two player game flew by like i think oh, i think yeah. we i think we finished it and our first play under an hour i believe i think it was it? like 45 minutes yeah. and and again that usually our play time goes down on subsequent plays once we know what we're doing but i think this one like i think after the second round we're like okay and and like we just knew right. that we had the rhythm of the game like and, i think we even talked about this going into like filler territory even yeah like this could be like if we're looking for like a, a power filler yeah like a, like a, a meteor game. So yeah sort of thing um, it was good though. Like I said, I I did enjoy it. Um, man, where would I? I mean, it's hard to rank it after one play. It's definitely not among my favorite Felds. Like it's just kind of in the in the middle to me. No, I know my favorite. Well, I mean, your favorite is my favorite as well. <laughs> and then 
our second favorite is probably the same too. Like we probably have Trajan as number one, mm-hmm. and we probably have Castles of Burgundy at number two, mm-hmm. and probably Bruges at number three. Mm-hmm. And then this would fall into that fourth and fourth and later category, basically, yeah. like right in the middle. But it's good enough that it's staying in our collection, um, yeah. and I'm looking forward to... It is worthy of shelf space. Yes, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the expansions add, because there's apparently a Great Wall expansion, which mm-hmm. adds a for an eighth action to the mix, where you can oh, build Lord. the Great Wall of China, and I'm not sure how that factors in. And then there's Like, do the, we actually get to build a wall on the board? They have, like, wall tokens. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where they go in, in the tableau. Or do you just, like, collect wall tokens? We'll see. Like I said, I you haven't know? looked at the rules yet. And then there's another one, um, another expansion there, too, that I can't remember exactly what it does. But in the Year of the Dragon. Interesting. Um, if you are looking for a solid, like, mid-light to medium Euro game, it's, it's worth a look for sure, especially if you like Feld's style. Um, next on the list, we actually just received this recently, and that is Spires. Well, that's because it just got fulfilled recently. This is a Kickstarter game. Which, funny funny little story on this one. I'm laying in bed one night just flipping through emails, and then I get on Facebook. I'm flipping through my feed, and I saw this on one in my feed. So I text Brad, and he's downstairs in the living room. I text him. I was like, hey, did you see this? It's coming on Kickstarter. And he goes, already backed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh geez. I was like, this is scary. We're getting we're getting too much alike here, bud. Well it's I mean it's a small box card game, which we like. And it's from TC Petty, a designer that we also like. And it's a trick taking game, which we also like. So so it's ticking it's ticking three boxes. Um it's an it's an interesting trick taking game though, because it doesn't play like one would expect um, tricking game to. And I'll, I'll talk about the two-player rules. They're a little bit different than the three- and four-player rules because obviously that's the only way we've played. Um, so in the two-player game, there is you, you play with this deck of cards that ranges in numbers from 1 to 75. Uh, now a bunch of those cards in the two-player version have been removed because you don't need that many. Um, and the cards are in, I think it's six different suits if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that number, but there's a number of different suits in the I game. I can't remember. And it's a tableau builder uh, in in the way, kind of similar to how Parade works, where you're trying to collect cards of every colored suit and build build these spires or towers in your tableau, but you don't want too many because you can't have a have a spire that's higher than like the castle in, in the kingdom that you're in. Because so basically, you get five points for every card that's in a spire that ranges of one to three cards at the end of the game. But if you go four or higher, then instead of gaining points, you'll actually lose a point for each of those cards that are in that tower. So again, it's like parade where you know having a certain number uh, is not good compared to the rest of everybody else. Yeah. Um, but the way the action works is there are two card markets in the game. Each player also has a hand of four cards at any given time. Or sorry, it's five cards, and then um. A card is turned over and played into each market, and each round, each player is going to secretly select one of the markets that has a card that they want in it. And if you both pick different markets, then you each get that card, and you just move on to the next round. But if you both pick the same market, then you have, to, right, you have to right. You have to you have to bid for it basically. And the way the bidding works is that you each take a card face down from your hand and reveal it. So what you're trying to do ideally is you're trying to have the highest card that matches the suit of the card that you're playing, or the highest numbered card that matches the suit of the card you're playing. If nobody plays a card of the same suit, then it's just the highest numbered card wins the trick. 
but there's also a way to to undercut somebody's suit. So if if one player plays the suit that the card is that you're bidding on, and then the second player plays a card of the suit the next rank down, they'll actually undercut the player and win and win the and win the. That's how Brad trick. cheats at this game. Oh, it's it's good strategy. Cheater. And whoever wins the trick gets not only the card that you were bidding on, but they also get to add the card they played and the card their opponent played to their tableau as well, which can which be could a be good, good thing or bad. Or a bad thing if you end up, you know. Because, <laughs> like, the one time I think you weren't expecting to win, and then you won, you're like, damn it. Yeah, and then, and then it blew my it blew my one spire. Um, there are also scroll cards that will appear that are just worth either straight victory points or they'll give you a special ability like being able to remove cards from your tableau, mm-hmm. which is always good. And then there's also a set collection aspect as well because some of the cards have one of three different symbols on them and at the end of the game the player that has the majority of each symbol will score a number of victory points depending on which symbol it, reminds it is. me of the um the one we have the pie factory game because yeah they no that, actually yeah they had they had the little symbols on the cards for that too uh considering that the nevermore games published it and Brian Fisher, I believe, owns Nevermore Games, and he's the one that designed Pie Factor. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some direct influence <laughs> from from that specific mechanic. That's, when I was sitting there playing, I'm like, and you're like, oh, and don't don't forget the symbols. I was like, oh, it's like Pie Factory. Yeah, TC Petty would have to confirm or deny that one, but I I would not be shocked if there was if that if that specific game was was directly influential for that particular aspect. Um, but like I said, once once you've gone through the whole deck, then whoever's the most points will win the game. Um, this this is a great example of a game with a low profile and very low rules overhead, but it's got some interesting gameplay and some fun strategies. Um, like I said, we love trick-taking games. We especially love trick-taking games that can be played with two players, which are not always the most common thing around. No. And this one definitely scratches that itch. And the thing I also like about it is that Unlike, so like, I think I like Haggis better as a game, mm-hmm. but Haggis also requires a much greater commitment because Haggis, like, it's, it's, you know, plays like a traditional trick taker where you are playing to a set number of points and you have it's to like play, rummy. right? You have to play several hands to get to that. With Spires, if you just want a quick little palette cleanser or a quick filler, you can knock out a game of this in 15 minutes or say and be good to go. Waiting for your son to get tired and we're not watching the movie this on. We right. played it on the couch. <laughs> yeah, that worked too. <laughs> that worked too. Or if you want a little bit deeper experience, you could do best of three, that sort of thing. Um, the Kickstarter campaign also came with some different scroll cards that you can use to replace um, some of the scrolls in there, which give you other abilities like being able to designate a specific. We could take this on vacation with us. Yeah, we could. Yeah, but they, like um, one of the, I know one of the scrolls you can they have a scroll I think for each colored spire, mm-hmm. and if you have that scroll, then those cards will be worth double points at the end of the game or nice. something like that. For example, so it's like I said, there's there's some room to play and some room to grow with that. But yeah, spires is solid. Um, would definitely recommend if you like uh, if you're looking for a good card game to check this out once it finds its way out there. Cool. Any other thoughts for you? No, no, I just I really really enjoyed it. I'm glad we uh, backed it. Very glad we backed it. Cool. Now, we wanted to um, come back. So we've talked about Arkham Horror, the card game, before. The one we finally committed to. Right, the LCG that finally works for Emily. Um, uh, what? It, it, rude. I mean, am I wrong? Rude. It's still right. That's rude. fine. Um, but we wanted to... We, we've gotten... A, a ways into the Dunwich Legacy campaign so far, so we wanted I wanted to talk about that and how what it's added to the game and and how we felt about that. And this one, so like the original campaign that came with the base set, 
really does serve as like an introductory. Um, it kicked our booties. It did, but I but it's supposed to like it's just kind of supposed to show you the game. Like I so far with Dunwich Legacy, I've enjoyed the connected narrative that it has. I've enjoyed the fact that the stuff that happens in the campaign seems like it's going to have a much far reaching effect, especially because the first campaign was only three scenarios. This one is eight scenarios long. Dunwich Legacy. Is. Well, I like the fact that. We finally seem to have gotten to the point where we know what we're doing. Because, mm-hmm. like, this last one, we didn't get our butts handed to us. Well, I, but I think a lot of that, too, is the other big benefit, of course, from getting this set is all the different cards that get added through the different expansion packs that come out, mm-hmm. which give you a lot more flexibility, not only when constructing your initial deck and really being able to tailor it towards how you want your character to play, but also with the cards that you add during the campaign as you gain experience points like it's it, in the, in the first game i really did feel handcuffed in in the first campaign just because the card pool was limited and i'd actually be interested to go back and play that first campaign with all the cards that we have now because mm-hmm. i feel like that we'd be able to survive a Wait, lot better did your guy die he did yeah at the end of it I mean, we all died because we lost, but <laughs> in, in the first campaign. Um, but yeah, I just, I just love the the different options. Um, and like, I have a character that I built around being able to investigate very easily. But I also have some cool cards that if I do get into a jam, if I get into a fight, that I can either escape easily or do like these massive one shot attacks. I have the butt kicker, really well. right? And you're and you're like the damage control person, but you can also investigate. In a pinch, if we need uh-huh. like a, a desperate clue. Well, because I have a lot of those, um, I've tailored mine to, because uh, my girl, uh, I have Jenny, and she's kind of, she's uh, straight across the board, all her numbers are the same. I said, so I kind of have those ones where if you fail a test by this, you can immediately get two clues, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of, because I know that her stats are all the same. Right. You know, I kind of tailored it to kind of help me out. Well, and and I felt like, too, like just, just being able to watch your deck grow and, and deal with the different problems that the scenarios come up with is is much more satisfying because I felt like the difficulty spiked. A lot in that Night of the Zealot campaign. It didn't really oh, give yeah. you a chance to to catch up with it. You you didn't have a chance. There was no chance whatsoever of ever being able to beat that, I don't think. Right, but it's been really satisfying because like I know with this new campaign that we've done, I like, we did, we're excited to play. I want to play. Right. You know. Well and we and we did okay with like the first scenario and the second scenario I felt like we did a little bit better, but we were still kind of getting out by the skin of our teeth. And then we the third scenario we did, which was the Miskatonic Museum we pretty much had it well in hand from beginning to end. Like, I was actually waiting for the other shoe to drop at some well, point. Well, because, you know, the what was the hunting horror? Mm-hmm. How many times did I have to kill him for? Yeah. Oh, my God. But it's it's really been it's really been satisfying to to play with this new set of cards. And I wasn't expecting, like, the deck building to be as satisfying with this game because I figured that the game was built around... The scenarios more so, but it's been really fun, like looking at the different cards you can add and and throwing well, them in. I'm quite in. enjoying being able to get rid of some of the crap that's in my deck and get some good stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and, and just kind of tailoring it and really just honing the deck to be what you want. Now, of course, the big downside to all this, not if if, if any of you guys are like, wow, this sounds interesting, it might be worth checking out, is that there is, of course, the big financial investment with this one so far. So I know that. 
between we have all two, the stuff we bought. We have two core sets. Right. And then every everything else every, they put out so every far. Every expansion So far. just doing the math in my head real quick. So that would be 80, 110 with the box and then six uh, three times three. So we probably spent about 200 bucks so far. Plus the insert for the game. And the well, that's that's a superfluous thing, so I'm not going to count that in. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of a necessary thing too. Well, yes and no. I'm actually fine. I actually found the insert that we have is running out of room very quickly as we get more of the campaigns and stuff. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so we spent about two hundred bucks so Good far. Good thing we kept the other box. Yeah, and um, and that's not, and I'm not bemoaning that. Like, I don't mind paying a high dollar for an experience well, that I'm see, enjoying. It's not like it's two hundred dollars in one shot. It's been a little bit here, a little bit there. You know what I mean? Right, but that's still... like, we bought the first course. Hun, we've spent more than that on a friggin' Simon Kickstarter. I get that, but that's but that's still a significant expenditure. And and it kind of it kind of necessitates that we play these scenarios multiple times at some point, which I'm sure we will, because like you said, we're really enjoying the gameplay well, of this one. I think you finally found... The the one that has the theme I like the most. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know you won't watch horror movies with me, but I kind of love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm, like, scared to death. You know, I, I love it. Well, my, my point was, though, like, for for people listening that might be interested to get into it, like, you have to you have to weigh that consideration before you take the dive in. Because, again... The, like the scenarios can be played standalone, and that's fine to do. So if you like, if you just bought the core set and Dunwich Legacy, there's still a lot of play well, value. And we got in, in right box. at the beginning too. Right, well, yeah. which makes it easier. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But like I said, if you want that whole Dunwich campaign, you have to buy the deluxe expansion, and you have to buy every blister pack that's come out, which is six of them so far. So that's it's not an insignificant amount of money. I'm saying Ours for just one, get delivered, don't they? They do, yeah, because we have the Team Covenant subscription. But yeah, it's not. What my point is, it's not an insignificant amount of money no, to consider spending on this stuff. So you have to you have to factor that in the mix. Um, but if you are, but like I said, as long as like for us, the re- the reason I can justify it is because this is the only thing that we have game wise that's like a repeated incurred cost and i don't mind it because i can also go back and play these scenarios solo if i wanted to we can run through them again with other characters and that's and that's totally fine but we've really found our stride with this one and we liked it even though it was tough last year but this is really like gone from hey we'll play it when we want when we when the mood strikes us to i can't wait to get this back to the table right, and right, wanting right. to like play it the the dunwich campaign has definitely piqued my interest more and I'm like okay when are we getting this back to the table and he's right. like oh really I'm like yes yeah like it's it's gone from something that we're like yeah we'll play this when the mood strikes is probably like once a month to like we might get this into like a once a week or once every other week type of rotation just mm-hmm. because it's been it's been that much fun with the new campaign so yep. yeah like I said if if you know, have you haven't checked that Arkham Har yet or if the the core box kind of turned you off but you're willing to you know, invest. We also, you know what else we bought with it? We also bought that playmat too. Oh, but again, that's just fun stuff. I'm just talking about the bare essentials. Just talking about the bare essentials. No, so I'm, like just, said, I'm just saying we've invested a little bit more. Yeah, but like I said, if you're willing to invest into that system, um, there's definitely a terrific, terrific gameplay experience there. Um, but like I said, you just have to know going in that it might be, take a hurting on your wallet. Absolutely. So we are back. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've talked Kickstarter projects because there really hasn't been a whole lot that's been catching our eyes 
lately. Well, no, it's just our wallet is hurting. So, but like, but I mean, like, if we if there was something that I'm like, oh, that looks awesome, I want to play it. You know, we'd get it, but there right. hasn't that hasn't come along really a whole lot. Um, but two more projects popped up this week that I'm pretty sure um, that we're going to be investing in. So we figured we'd tell you guys about them so you could check them out, too, in case you were interested. Uh, the first one um, is a new game from Seth Jaffe and TMG. Now, Seth Jaffe uh, was the designer of one of our favorite games, mm-hmm. Eminent Domain. Um, he has a new game coming out called Crusaders Thy Will Be Done. And the first thing about this campaign is that this is the trademark TMG like deluxified campaign where they have an option that costs a little more but you get a whole lot of really nice like wooden components and metal coins and this one also comes you with, get wood and plastic you get both oh, versions with this of one them. yeah um, this was, one also comes with the campaign earlier uh, dual layered player boards uh-huh. as well so they're like scythes so that the pieces won't move around because there's a lot of bits that go on them and I knew that Emily would be <laughs> inclined to probably like this because the action selection mechanism in this game is very similar to that of Trajan. Yeah. Which is one of our favorites. Well, what I thought was really cool is that you can upgrade your spots on it. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of nifty. Well, so so Crusaders uses the same um, like... They call it the Mancala Rondel. Well, it's what it is. It's a Mancala <laughs> on a Rondel. But <laughs> The difference is, whereas in Trajan, when you take an action, you pick up all of the pieces in one space and distribute them around the board, and whichever space you stop on informs the action that you determine. In this one, you actually decide which action you want and then pick up the pieces off that space and distribute them. But how many pieces are on the space determine how powerful the action is. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have a bunch of knights. Uh, each player is going to get a knight at the beginning of the game, but they all have asymmetric powers on them, so you get a power-up of some kind that's going to be different from every other player. And there's also a um, game board. It's, it's also sort of like an area control game where you're trying to spread out your your faction's influence across this map and... And there's buildings to put out. and Right, and putting out different types of buildings looks like it offers you different like bonuses or power-ups or stuff like that as you go along as well, which is very neat. Um, the production value is is off the charts as usual with these deluxe TMD, TMG editions. And it's a legacy game. Is it a legacy game? Didn't you? No. Is this the one I was looking at? I think you're looking at Charterstone, which we'll talk about a little oh, bit never later. Mind. Yeah, that's not that ain't this. So I got too many things going through my head right now. That's all right. So uh as we are speaking about this, um the project it's has funded. Yeah, it's it's totally funded and unlocking a ton of stretch goals. It has about two weeks left as you're listening and I think to this. When I looked at it, there was only like two stretch goals that hadn't been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And it's uh if you want the super deluxe version, it's seventy bucks. Uh, the regular version is fifty. Plus shipping, right? Uh, it's like six dollars. It's negligible. So, um, but yeah, check it out if you are interested. If that sounds interesting, and I'd say that if you are a fan of Trajan, uh, that might be something that would be worth checking out for sure. Um, the other one is the other game we're looking at this week is a campaign from one of my favorite publishers, Victory Point Games, and they are coming out with a new cooperative deck building game called Renegade. That is very, it's got like a cyberpunk aesthetic to it, which I'm a big fan of, uh, where you and another player are basically trying to stop like a rogue AI. I feel like it's Terminator the game because we're trying to take down Skynet. 
That's kind of a good way to look at it. It's kind of a good you way to look I mean? at it. You know what I mean? Because the way the way it describes it, you know, you have these the mother computer that you're trying to take down. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I kind of feel like it is. So what you're trying to do is you're using your cards and your deck that you build to add different contaminants, uh, uploading to the servers, which is this map of of like hex spaces on that you make up before the game, which is modular as well, and. You're going to add new cards to your deck, as one would expect throughout the game, and it just looks very interesting. It, yes, it reminds and the hack me. Shack. I love that. Yeah, well, that's what the, that's what it's the card called, row is called. It's yeah. called the Hack Shack. I love it. Yeah, like I said, it, it, I dig it. M M thought that I was interested in this because of its thematic similarity to Netrunner. Mm-hmm. I do like cyberpunk themes. It obviously plays nothing like Android Netrunner, so that's got <laughs> nothing to really do with it for me as well. It looks interesting. Um, if you give me. I mean, we love deck builders. We love co-op games. If you can give us a good co-op deck builder. Well, and like I said, this one I saw, I believe in the campaign, it says you can also play solo, which I know, Mm -hmm. you know, nights when I go to bed early, you're like, ooh, I still want to play some games. So. Yep, absolutely. That'll work for you. And uh, and this is like, so one thing Victory Point Games has been doing with some of the recent projects is they are, they're producing stuff off off-site now, so you get, like, regular production quality, and I really enjoyed um, the job they did with Dawn of the Zeds, which was one of the first games that they put out that has this, uh, like, upgraded production design for them, and it looks pretty cool. Um, the game, again, is already funded as we're talking about this, and there's plenty of time left to go in the campaign over three weeks as we're talking about it, um, and it's only 40 bucks to, to back a copy of Renegade. So again, we'll have a link in our show notes that you can uh, that you can go check it out and see if you would also be interested in Renegade from Victory Point Games. Today's topic is going to be our favorite games of 2017 that we've played so far. That's far. Yeah, I gotta say too. Um, I remember we did this it's looking we, pretty slim for 2017. Well, I remember. I remember we did this. We did a similar like mid year review thing last year as well. I feel like there was a lot more on our our review last year. I feel like there was too. Um, yeah, this one there definitely has been not been as many games. Um, but looking, for us. but looking at the games on this list, they're a lot meatier. I think. Uh, some of them are for sure, and and also too. Um, one thing that I've noticed about this year is there's been a lot of expansions that have caught our eye. Yeah, quite a bit. So, absolutely. So we'll get right into it. Let's let's get into the one that I that a lot of people probably are talking about so far this year, and that's Gloomhaven, which is probably the most notable release I think that's come out in board gaming this year so far. The one you almost lost your mind over. Why? When they misdelivered our package. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was the whole big thing. So, because yeah. <laughs> FedEx go- was being. We're going around knocking on neighbors' doors, like, because it says it's delivered, and I'm like, it's not here. That was an expensive box. I didn't well, want to. I said, I and then, like, the, next, it, so. the next morning, a neighbor comes across, knocks on the doors, hey, they yeah. delivered this to us. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> So we've uh, we've talked about Gloomhaven a bit on this show before. We haven't really been playing it lately, though. Um, just because the the one the one thing that I would knock it is that setting it up is a, is, is a bear. Brutal. Like like the the times that we have played it, I found it's been more effective. If I set it up like well before. Well, yeah, you get like home. that'll be like a day he's home from work and he'll text me at lunchtime, and be like, "So you want to play Gloomhaven?" I'm like, "Sure." And then we'll go back and forth. Though, what do you want to play? What do you want to do this? And he'll have it set up and ready to go. That way, once 
you know, we have dinner, Xander goes to bed, we can just take the top off the table and go. Yeah, and that's and that's worked out really well. But I said what we what we like about it is that it scales great. A lot of times these dungeon crawl games don't do great when you lower the player count. Well, like I said, you had me at Diablo the board game. I mean, that's what it is essentially. <laughs> and and it's just so it's so unique in how it plays compared to most dungeon crawls because there's no die rolling you have a lot of influence over how your character plays and the abilities that they have quests i think that's cool yeah it's very cool i said the only thing the only thing i might knock it for is that you do have to pass like you have to defeat a mission before you can move on past it which if you get stuck on one can be kind of a pain in the butt to replay the same section that's just like uh warhammer Mm-hmm. Remember, we just like the guy just kept following us around because we couldn't kill him. Yeah, but in Warhammer, you could at least move on. Not past. really, if he keeps following you around. Right, he follows you, but you could go to the next quest. And <laughs> this one, you can't. Like, if you if you're doing one of the main story missions and you get stuck, guess what? You're stuck there until you like you can go play another story mission. Well, but at some done, point, you're at the win. We've done pretty well so far, though. For the most part, it's de- there's definitely a learning curve to the game, um, and you definitely have to learn how. It flows to get, you know, before you can really dive into it. Um, but like I said, as far as just uniqueness and and how it plays, it's definitely worthwhile checking out. So we've recommended it before. Um, certainly so far this year, it's been one of the games that have stood out the most to us. Um, next, I'm, I'm talking about this because it is a 2017 game that we love, but we did actually give this an award for 2016 because we got our copy last year, and that's Santorini. Well, but it didn't come out retail right, until the official, this year. The official release is this year. Um, so yeah, Santorini, terrific abstract game with uh, variable player powers, which is very cool, adds to the replayability. I love it. It's terrific. And like I said, if you're talking production quality, one of the nicest games in our collection for sure. Oh, yeah. But uh, but and and M and I really like abstracts quite a bit, mm-hmm. and this very quickly became one of our favorite abstract games, for sure. Just a lot of second guessing. We have quite a few, don't we? We do. Um, this one's up there just because of how you can sort of lead your opponent along and try to get them to do something that you want them to do, so that mm-hmm. you can set up for you know a game winning play or something similar like that, which is very fun. And and it's always fun when. They have the realization usually the turn or two before you win the game. We're like, oh, <laughs> like, and they realize that there's nothing they can do to stop you from. It's like in chess where you just kind of lay your piece down. I'm like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I said, I know you got me. I'm done. Goodbye. But yeah, ter- terrific release for 2017. Um, if you were an abstract fan, maybe that's why you like it so much because it's so much like chess. With trying to, calc- it's not really like chess. Like You're, the Duke is more like chess. No, than but I'm saying else. it's so it's very calculated. Oh no, no, I, you know I, I, I mean? like that part. Is, is trying to you know trying you know, to set up chess. set you up for stuff basically. I'm a little better at the Duke though. A little bit better at the Duke, but yeah, Santorini solid. Um, next is actually this was a deluxified one that we got, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And that is Yokohama. Yeah. Because that made me giggle because I never, I didn't notice it until we had it on the shelf and I look on the side of the box and it says deluxified and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but again, another Sorry, one, no. another one Production where. Production value is ridiculous. Yeah. But another one for, for the gameplay where it, there's nothing that we have that's quite like it and it's a fun puzzle to figure out, you know, how to distribute your, your workers to. Right. Because you have to have the path to get to where you want to go of workers and Yeah. To, to make the actions more effective and yep. stuff like that. So this is one we haven't gotten to play too often. Um, but it, I'd like to get it back to the table. Oh, so would I. It's, it was a really fun game. And, again, one that 
I wouldn't expect to work as well with two as it does, but it works totally fine with two. Um, oh, I had a I had a hell of a fun time playing it. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 one of those games that I feel that because of the way that blocking can work or being able to, or having to pass through other players, that having more players usually helps that. But I didn't really notice. I didn't the, the, think we had too many issues like that. No, well, and part of it's because they also, with a two-player game, scale down the size of the action board, right. essentially, which is always something that's good to do. Um, next was 1960, The Making of a President, which we talked about, I think, last episode? Uh, yes. I believe we gave impressions of that game. And you know what? This game is great. Yeah, I, I just, I really dig the those the GMT, like, car-driven style of game. Which, these are the ones that Brad thought I would never, ever, ever want to play in a million bazillion mm. years when we first started gaming. And then here we go. I'm like, oh, yes, I'm the one half the time that says, hey, let's mm. play Twilight Struggle. Let's schedule that out. Yeah. And he gets his look on his face and smiles. And and again, we're, and we're 1960, I think, is, is a lot of fun, is in its unpredictability. Because the one thing that Twilight Struggle is, is that you can kind of predicts when certain events are around the corner and mm-hmm. when scoring cards are going to pop out. And that's part of the strategy of that game. In 1960, you have no idea what's going to happen. You have to deal with the hand you're dealt. Um, it's, it is, you know, and, and trying to figure out, all right, is it worth me investing heavily in all these high electoral vote states, but then I'm going to give up a lot of, a lot of low ones, give up a lot of ground. But as long as I can hold down, you know, some of these key states, that's going to be enough for me to win, and you have to really balance well, that out, like too. And like I've said before, you and I seem to really enjoy the ones where, I mean, I don't know. I, I was never much into history. As I get older, I, you know, am more into things. Mm. But I like when a game teaches me things as I'm playing as well. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, Twilight Struggle, I didn't know much about, like, all of that nonsense, and I've learned quite a bit. Well, and especially like the 1960 presidential election was one of the few elections that does get talked about in in school mm-hmm. more than others, just because it was it was one of the more modern elections. Like it was right. the first televised one where debates were televised, and and that was a whole big thing. Plus, it was in the you know the you know the groundswell of the civil rights movement and a lot of historical events that were happening. Cold War still going on, of course, as well. So it was it was a very unique unique election. And a very important one, and it's fun to kind of see, look at all the different events on the cards, and read the little historical blurbs about them as right, well. Right, and it got you on a Nixon kick. It does, yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's got me wanting to like learn more about Nixon because he's a very interesting politician, <laughs> to put it mildly. To and, put it mildly, yeah. And and so it's it, like this has kind of piqued my interest into kind of seeing, you know, what. <laughs> like learning more about him and what made him tick and that sort of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 1960, uh, one that I could easily see. We're going to play a bunch. Oh, yeah. And then um, the last one we talked about earlier in the show was Spires. Again, terrific, uh, you know, light card card, card trick-taking game um, that we really enjoyed, and we gave our thoughts on that already. Now, like I said, um, a lot of expansions have – a few – I shouldn't say a lot of expansions. A few expansions have come out this year that have been very notable – um, for us as well. We talked about the Dunwich legacy campaign for Arkham Horror. Um, a lot of fun there. We also have been talking a lot lately about Clank on this podcast. Clank is so fun. And the Sunken Treasures expansion is, like I said, a no-brainer 
for that one. When we reviewed it, you know, we said if you love Clank, it's a no-brainer to get it. Having the two extra maps, having the extra cards um, has increased, you know, the replay value of that game considerably, for sure. And then uh, the other one is an old standby, um, the Aztec expansion for Imperial Settlers. Um, another expansion with very, you know, cool components to it. Just adds another new wrinkle to the mix for that game. And and yeah, that one's a, that one's a good one as well. So we also uh, so this week with this topic, we uh, tried something we haven't done yet on this show. We do it on other shows. Usually very popular. Kind of a question of the week, though. I didn't know about this. Just FYI. Oh, that's okay. I was just told, you know, about five minutes ago. <laughs> just, just to make sure I didn't forget to to go over because I forgot to write down the docket. But yeah, we uh, we asked you guys out there on Twitter uh, what were some of Brad your asked favorite. You guys. Yeah, well, we it's, it's our both Twitter account. Um, what were some of your games that you have played so far, twenty seventeen, that you thought were terrific with two? Uh, the game shelf said that they haven't had a game that's knocked out of the park yet. We're kind of in the same boat as you, um, but the best so far have been uh, Yamatai and Baron Park. Baron Park's one I've been hearing um, some stuff about lately. It's a newer release as well, but both light games that that they like to play as a couple. Um, Justin Price says The Fox in the Forest is a standout so far. Uh, Santorini, of course, is also excellent with two. Absolutely. Uh, Let's see. We have Neil... Lavery uh, saying that for a two-player specific game that released in 2017, I'd have to say Saboteur the Duel. I didn't know they came out with a two-player version hmm. of Saboteur. Saboteur is like a... Um, uh, I'm going to say, I don't even know. That's why I gave it's like, you that it's like a It's like a party game um, that we've never played. Okay. But apparently there's a two-player version now. So. Might have to look into it then. Uh, last Sar- Sarnarian83 on Twitter says the new module for Lord of the Rings, the card game is really good, but I suppose that's just a new cycle. Hey, like I said, we put Dunwich Legacy on our list, so that's uh Perfectly that is totally yeah. valid for sure. I'm I'm actually surprised they're still putting out content for Lord of the Rings card yeah. game. I mean it's been out for six years, I think, at this point. And I don't know how many cycles they've gone through. But I mean, it's definitely got its core you, fan base. That you follows do realize it. that the lore goes on and on and on and on, so they I probably do. have infinite, you know, ideas. Well, they've also with that one, they've circled back around and done um, what they called nightmare versions of older scenarios, which are like super hard versions. Oh, so it's like in um, in uh, what's it called? Where we just got the hard, the hard, hard mode on the cards. Uh, legendary alien. encounters. Yes, for yes. legendary encounters. Yes. Sorry, I'm like having brain farts here. <laughs> yes, that is that is correct. Uh, that is correct. It is it is very similar to that? And finally, um, at Bashed uh, says King Domino in the seven by seven dual variant. King Domino is is the new Bruno Cathala game that just won the Spiel des Jahres. For those who don't know, yes. So that one we don't have, but that might. But being as now, I'm kind of intrigued to check it out now because it did win the spiel. That's that's a good way to get my attention, um, as far as a new game. So thank you guys very much. Speaking of King, I want to play King Chocolate. Off topic, but okay. Uh, and then we wanted to wrap it up with uh, with what the games we were most looking forward to that should be coming out the back oh, good. half. You added the one I said of 2017. Um. Now, I will say for as light as the first half of the year has been for us, the second half of the year looks to be very heavy. Not surprising because Gen Con is right around the corner and, you know, there's some other some other conventions coming up. But, yeah, the back half of the year is going to be... Good thing we had a big auction. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so I had not shown you Charterstone yet, apparently, until today. Yeah. This one, I'm looking through the list. I said, what is this? I've never heard of this. All the rest of these I've heard of, but not that one. So I looked in. This is the one. You're right. This is the legacy one. Yeah, this is the new the new uh, worker placement legacy game coming from Stonemeyer Games. Looks very cool. Um, and I also like the fact that apparently you will have a fully functional and unique worker placement game when it's all when said it's all, and done. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's very neat. Like I, I kind of enjoy that because... I mean, pandemic, it's great, but then it's like at the end, it's like, but now I'm done and I'm sad because I can't play it anymore. Yeah, we ended up just using the cubes for repurposing for trains, I think, basically. Yeah, we did. So on the <laughs> it just sits in our basement. Um, but speaking of pandemic, uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Yay! That's the one out. I was very much looking forward to because I had so much fun playing the first one. I don't, it, you know what? But I, I'm glad we had extra time off in between because I thought it was coming sooner than this. Yeah, it's it's good that um we've let that one breathe. I'm most intrigued about this one because it looks like that they are it seems like with this one they're going away from like core pandemic mm-hmm. and really changing. Like I've seen I've seen the map for the game when it starts and the map is actually like really tiny when the game starts and it looks like you actually expand the game board. Well, that's cool. As the game goes along. Which in, is interesting. Yes, yeah, very interesting. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. I completely forgot that it was coming. I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, it's coming yeah, on Gen he Con. Yeah, he said he's like, is there anything on this list I missed? I was like, wait, isn't Pandemic Season Two coming out? Oh my god, how did I forget that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, one this shows you what I've got on the brain. I got Pandemic yeah. on the brain. Uh, one we're getting soon is Lisboa. Is um, it on the slow boat? Uh, it's actually, it's off the boat and in a warehouse now, getting ready to be Yay! shipped to us next week, probably. Sweet. This is the new game from Vitalis Cerda uh, that we backed on Kickstarter a while back that I've heard very good things about. This is one I didn't even know about, and he just says, oh, hey, we back." I Actually, I think I was on our Twitter feed, and it's like, hey, I just backed this game on Kickstarter. I'm like, what is this? So then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, no wonder we backed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's four for four right? with us so far, so I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'd be shocked if we hated this, right? But uh, but yeah, that we'll actually have that suit and within the next episode or two. Pardon me. Episode. Well, probably yeah. Well, I was <laughs> trying to get trying to hold down a burp there. Um, within the next episode or two, we'll probably be talking about impressions of that. I would imagine. Oh, I guess this here. is the next cycle of Arkham Horror coming out. It is. Yeah. Path to Carcosa. Yep, just announced recently. Um, I gotta say though, I kind of hope they give us a break. Like, I hope it's not coming out next month. I hope it comes out in August at Gen Con. Yeah. No, or, or not? I'm sorry. Wait, that that is next month. Crap. I hope it's not coming out until September because I'd like some room to breathe on on to so we can finish up Dunwich before. Yeah, it's probably not gonna happen that way. No, probably not. Fantasy Flight likes their money, so <laughs> so, so they are gonna they are gonna get it out to us as soon as possible. Looking forward to it though. There's the the new mechanic they're adding with this one is um, there are some cards that are going to be in the encounter deck mm-hmm. that you draw but you keep secret and that have like negative effects on you, but you, the other players don't know what it is. Like essentially, cards, kind of, sort of, yeah, in, in a similar fashion. Um, next, uh, Empires of the Void two, mm-hmm. which I just think it's, I mean, it's. Did you say it's not really a sequel? It is a sequel. It's not a straight reprint of the game. Like it, they actually change the way the game plays okay. fundamentally, and so it looks a little bit more streamlined. Right, because I think that was our problem with the with the original. It just wasn't. 
Oh, we I, see. I, think I mean, we, we liked, liked the first we one. We liked it, just, it but uh, it just it was still a little bit much. I think this one will get to the table more than the first one did because the first one required a pretty not a heavy commitment, but a a decent commitment to play. Um, and, but I and I just liked what I saw from this one. It looked very cool, and I like the direction that the uh, art style is taking as well. Well, as I said, I you know I'm pretty much kind of go with the flow with you when you say, "Hey, let's do this." Okay, let's do mm-hmm. it. Um, we should kind of, sort of, hopefully soon be getting Fate of the Elder Gods. We have not gotten to play it. Nope, not yet. But we've we gotten to see it unplugged. a whole bunch. This is the uh, Lovecraft themed area control game from Greater Than Games. Uh, which is coming soon, which has very nice-looking miniatures and cool art, and it's Lovecraft, so we're going to be automatically inclined to uh-huh. be interested in that. It looks very neat. And then the last one that I added, because um, I forgot it was coming out this year, but I remember I was very excited when I first saw it. This is Rhino Hero Super Battle. We love the crap out of Rhino Hero. It's it's a, it's it's a fun it's such a fun stacking game. It's like Jenga and Uno had a baby. And this one <laughs> this one not only has the vertical expansion element, but it also has like a width expansion mm-hmm. element as well that you can create these. Plus, it said there's crazy like, structures. There's four, is it four heroes? Mm-hmm. Four different heroes. Yeah. Well, should, you can't just. Move, I mean, if you're going to spread out wide, you can't be, just move the same guy the whole time. It should be interesting. I like I said Rhino here is terrific. It's probably my favorite hobby game. Uh, that we have, mm-hmm. and it is. Uh, I'm. I will. I'm all in for any kind of follow up or sequel to that. Yeah. So if what, uh, let us know what you guys are looking forward to. Two player that you can play with two players that will be coming uh, later on this year. Uh, we're definitely curious to hear from y'all as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and call it. That's gonna be it for this week's show. Uh, don't forget that we are an affiliate of the TNP Studios network of shows. Make sure to go to tnpstudios.com, check out all the other great content that we put out on there, and consider uh, checking out our premium network too, which you can go to thenerdpocalypse.com slash premium to sign up there, just $5 a month or $50 for a whole year to, de- to get access to four, soon to be five exclusive premium shows on the network as well. Um, again, give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at tabletop for two and subscribe to the podcast. That is it. Um, it's going to be another three week break for us, by the way, um, before our next episode, because we, when we would normally be scheduled to record, uh, we're actually going to be out of town, going to the beach for some much needed R and R. And actually it'll be our first official family vacation. We'll see how our son likes the beach. This should be interesting. Yeah, that should be interesting. So like I said, <laughs> three uh so like I said, not our normal bi weekly schedule, another three week gap before between episodes. Um but we will catch you back probably right in time for uh Gen Con talk. Okay. I would imagine. So don't be shocked if you hear some of these games again mm-hmm. that we just talked about on our hot anticipated list. Uh but as usual, thank you very much for listening and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye.